0: Okay, I wonder if I could uh, grab your attention back again. Just want, to, uh, just want to share a few words from the Bible this morning, if I may. I know we've been listening already to lots of great stories, and actually they say their own thing, don't they, about God and about Jesus. And I'm really encouraged already about hearing what God does in different people's lives. Um, but it's my job on a, on, a, on, a, on a Sunday like these to try and give a little bit of kind of backstory as to why some of these people that have been saying what they've been saying believe what they say to be true. What is it about Jesus that is so good? And uh, that's what we're going to do briefly this morning. I'm going to introduce us to Jesus through a story of the Bible and then just basically ask us that question. What do you think of that? What do you think of that? Uh, Two things I always do at baptism services is, A, try and introduce Jesus, and B, always make a a strong thank you and welcome to friends and family of those that are getting baptized for coming because I'm conscious that, Um, it's one thing to stand alongside the people that are getting baptised as a demonstration of love and commitment. It's another thing to to walk into a kind of a slightly unusual environment on a Sunday morning when you've probably got under one other things you might want to be doing. And so I'm conscious that sometimes coming into church context is different and unusual and weird, and you think, I don't know what I'm doing here. So I really want to thank you for coming. I really appreciate you coming. Hopefully you're feeling comfortable being here. uh, A year ago now, um, it was Easter Day, actually. My wife and I were on holiday in Devon. And I'm just going kind to of, kind of resonate with you a little bit if you are feeling that this is a slightly unusual environment to be in. My wife and I decided to go to a church down in Devon. I won't tell you where it is, but we've heard it was quite cool because it's kind of called Beach Church. Uh, and it kind of met outside and it was Easter day. And so we found the church and we kind of rolled up. And as soon as we uh, started to arrive, we noticed it was full of kind of 30 or 40 people who all seemed to be kind of surfing dudes. And they, they kind of, it was all hip and cool and that kind of thing. And we know, my wife and I, we know that we are hip and cool. But, <laughs> no, we do. But, but, but kind of coming into an environment for people that really, really thought they were hip and cool was kind of slightly troubling. And then, of course, we get into all this kind of surf speak type vibe. And uh, we couldn't really hold our own, even though we try and understand different peoples in different contexts. One of the expressions that we have learned is that the the waves were messy that morning. So the one thing we remember about surf. Anyway, everything's calm. So we go into the church service, just like this morning. We go into the church service. We're obviously, you know, regular church goers. We come here every week. So we kind of know what church looks like. There's kind of songs that we sing to Jesus, so that's all pretty normal. Uh, Then there was some time when some people shared about what God was doing in their lives. That was pretty normal. Enjoyed that. Uh, there was a little message from the woman who was leading the church. That was really good. She was warm and friendly and engaging. I enjoyed that. So we were generally enjoying the whole service until it got to the congregational activity bit. And the congregational activity bit made me sit in my seat and think, I'm not sure I want to be here now <laughs> in Beach Church. That's really cool with surf dudes. So Because uh, basically what they did is they, they asked everybody to get out of their seat, grab a daffodil uh, that they got prepared in a jar to the to the side. Walk outside onto a bank that is in view, full view of the holiday makers and throw your daffodil into a word that had been shaped out by pebbles from the beach that said love and as you threw your daffodil to contemplate something for you that was meaningful about God's love. Now on the one hand that's a creative thing to do and I'm all for creative and community but on the other taking a daffodil, walking outside in the few view, full view of normal people who are just holiday making and then throwing your daffodil into this word I thought I don't want to be here all of that son so If you're feeling slightly like Oasis is a bit odd, I've been there and done it and you you can stand with me. I know it's a bit odd. Anyway, so that's just to make you feel comfortable. Let's get to the Bible, uh, as I say. I want to introduce something of Jesus to us all this morning. We're going to do it from the Bible, from the Gospel of Mark, Mark chapter 1, verse 35 to 45. And I'm going to read this to us. And all we're going to do is see something of what Jesus is like through this story. That's all we're going to do. It's very, very simple. So let's read the story first and then I'll get into the content. So it goes like this, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him, and when they found him, they exclaimed, everyone is looking for you. Jesus replied, let's go somewhere else, to the nearby villages, so that I can preach there also. That is why I've come. So he traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. A man with leprosy came to him and begged him on his knees, If you're willing, you can make me clean. Filled with compassion, Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, Be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him and he was cured. Jesus sent him away at once with a strong warning. See that you don't tell this to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest, and offer the sacrifices that Moses has commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. I'll explain what that means later. Instead, he went out and began to talk freely, spe- spreading the news. As a result, Jesus could no longer enter a town open, but stayed outside in lonely places. Yet the people still came to him from everywhere. There's the story. That's a story about Jesus. As I say, all I'm going to do is draw some things out from the story and ask you what you think about it. That's all I'm going to do. I'm not going to ask you to throw daffodils at the end into a word that spells love. But I am going to ask you what you think of the story that I've heard this morning. I might even be cheeky to ask for some kind of response. I'm not going to ask you to come forward. I'm not going to ask you to do anything weird. I might just say, what do you think? I might get you to raise your hand and think, hmm, I might want to know a little bit more. So as I'm walking this through, just think what do you think of what you're hearing. Don't be switch off from it. Stay engaged with it. So the first point is this. Jesus prayed because Jesus cared. Jesus prayed because Jesus prayed, pre- cared. Sorry. I don't know if anybody's ever offered to pray for you. Many people offer to pray for me, and when they do, it's a massive kindness. The idea of anybody spending some time intentionally praying to God for my well-being is a really kind thing. It's a really nice thing, isn't it? And many people pray at different moments. Joe is telling us in his testimony he, that he, he prayed when he didn't even know what he was really doing as he did it. But he had a go at doing it. People pray when they're under pressure. People pray when they need some kind of comfort. People pray when disaster is about to hit and they think their life's going to end. And it's like a final, last-minute plea. People pray, and it's a good thing to do. Jesus played, prayed regularly in the morning. It's in the Bible an awful lot. He got up in the morning, found somewhere on his own, and prayed to his Father in heaven. And the reason he did that is because he cared. He cared about people and he cared about things. That's what he did. And if you're ever wondering whether Jesus cares about you, I'm telling you that he does because he cares enough to pray for people and and to pray for things and he's intentional about doing it. He prays because he cares. That's the first point. Second point, Jesus was popular because Jesus was kind. Jesus was popular because Jesus was kind. Verse 36, Simon and his companions went to look for him and when they found him, they exclaimed that everyone is looking for you. Now, many of us will know that Simon Peter was the kind of, almost the most passionate of all the disciples. He did things without thinking often and got into trouble sometimes doing them. He just was kind of a random, he just went off and did things. But he was passionate, and when he realised that day that Jesus wasn't where he was supposed to be early in the morning, he got up and with a few others went looking for him, and he found Jesus. Jesus. But what he did say when, he didn't, when he, what he didn't say when he found Jesus was, at last I found you or we found you, what he said was that everyone is looking for you. Everyone is looking for you, not just me and not just my, my friends. Everyone is looking for you, Jesus. And this is a truth that I like to reveal to everybody on a baptism meeting such as today, which is in Jesus' day, everybody wanted to find him. Everybody was looking for Jesus because Jesus was very, very, very popular. People would, go, would travel from far and wide to try and find Jesus. They'd get up early to try and find him if he wasn't where he was supposed to be. They'd, if they saw him getting in a boat and going across the River Galilee to the other side of the shore, what they would do is run around the edge of the shore to try and find him on the other side of the shore so that he could be where he was. If he was squeezed into a room that not enough people could get into... What people used to do was ram as many people as they possibly could into the room, ram as many people as they possibly could outside the room, sometimes climb trees to see where Jesus was coming before he got to the room, and sometimes dig a hole in the roof of the room in order to get to the feet of Jesus. That's the sort of thing that people did in Jesus' day because he was that popular. And the reason he was that popular is because he did amazing acts of kindness. Amazing acts of kindness. He was known as one who was going to be kind to people. Jesus wasn't one to ignore, he was one to discover. He wasn't one to escape from, he was one to uncover. It's a free poem. (laughs) So that's the second thing. Jesus was popular because Jesus was kind. Third, Jesus preached because he had a message worth hearing. Jesus preached because he had a message worth hearing. Verse 38, Jesus replied, "'Let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages,' so that I can preach there also. That is why I have come. And if we're unraveling a Jesus who is caring and a Jesus who is kind and a Jesus who is popular and people wanted to rush to because he was so good, then isn't it worth pricking our ears up a little bit to the message that he has to bring if he says he's got something to say? If he's that good, if he's that kind, if he's the sort of person that we want around us, why don't we give him our ear and listen to what he has to say? Surely that's a good thing to do. And the people in Jesus's day were intrigued by Jesus's message. They, as I've just said, they ran into his presence. They spent whole days up mountains listening to the voice of Jesus. Sometimes they even forgot to eat. His teaching was so good. They were amazed at his teaching. Jesus's teaching drew people in. And the interesting thing is that today, most of us who try and lead good lives than we do, most of our good living is based on the amazing teaching of Jesus. You may be someone here who's a follower of Jesus and know you try and lead your life in the way that Jesus wants you to lead it. You may be someone here who isn't a follower of Jesus or is on a journey to discovering him. But your life is still pretty much defined, I would like to challenge, by the teachings of Jesus. You're being influenced by Jesus even though you don't know you are being. And that's because his teaching was amazing. And he even said it, that is why I've come, he said. I have come to speak a message to you. So better, better we listen up and hear what he's got to say. So that's the third thing. Jesus had a message to bring. He preached because he was worth hearing. The fourth thing, fourth thing of four, Jesus cleans because we need cleaning. Jesus cleans because we need cleaning. Verse 40, a man with leprosy came to him, begged him on his knees, if you're willing you can make me clean. Filled with compassion, Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him and he was cured. You probably know, if you've watched Ben-Hur, you'll definitely know that in Jesus' day, lepers were the outcasts of the community. If you had a leprosy, you were doomed to die. It was an incurable disease. And everybody was absolutely petrified of catching the disease. So much so that they had these communities isolated outside of the cities and the villages and the towns in order that everybody could protect themselves from getting infected. That's what happened in Jesus' day. That a man with leprosy came to Jesus at all is an interesting observation in the Bible. Had he heard that Jesus was a caring Jesus? Had he heard that Jesus was a kind Jesus? Had he heard something of the teaching of Jesus and thought, I've got to get to this man? I'd like to suggest that the answer to that question is absolutely yes. Otherwise, why else come to him? He knew that coming to Jesus, there was a kind man, there was a caring man, there was a man, there was a message that could make things completely different. And so he came to Jesus' knees, and what did he do? In humility, he said, if you're willing, you can make me clean. What happens next? We see evidence of what Jesus is like. Kind and caring filled with compassion kind and caring filled with compassion he doesn't push the leper away He doesn't fob him off he doesn't step a few steps back thinking hello lepers in the house let's be careful he touches him he reaches out to the man and he touches him he makes him clean he heals his disease it's a life-changing head-turning miracle That's what Jesus does when the leper comes to him. Diseased, doomed to die, and Jesus says, you've come to the right man. Here I am. And that man is completely healed. And you know what? We've heard it. Jesus is still touching people today. Poppy, Tom, Emma, Joe. Stories to tell of Jesus touching their lives. He doesn't step away when we come to him. He rushes in to meet us. He's a God who loves us, and he's a God who's for us. So the question is, how does it work? How does, when Jesus touched people, make? It, how does he make a difference in our lives? And I'll tell you what he does. The first thing he does when he touches people is he draws to our awareness that we are, quote unquote, unclean. Unclean. A bit like the leper. We like to think we are clean. We like to think we are good or nice men or women. Now, on the whole, I think I am. I think I'm a good guy I often say this I think I'm a nice guy I, I try to be friendly to people I smile to people I try and you know, help people with their shopping if I see they're struggling the other day I was oh, yesterday I was at a wedding I saw an old lady who was shivering a bit because she was cold in the teepee that we were in yes it was a teepee uh, I had a blanket so I offered to give her the blanket that's nice isn't it It's a nice thing of me to do probably all of you would have done that as well because we're nice people but on the flip side, I could be the nicest person and then randomly out of nowhere suddenly have the most shocking, unbelievably atrocious thoughts that I didn't even know I could think about situations. And then I can say the wrong thing or do the wrong thing and upset people. I can certainly upset my wife and children quite easily without trying very hard. And yet I'm a good guy. Jesus knows that all of us like to think we're squeaky clean. But actually, if we're honest, we're not. And when we approach Jesus, if we're humble, we approach him knowing that we're unclean knowing that we're diseased with all the wrong things we say, do, or think. And actually, we need someone to make us clean. And as we come to Jesus, he can wipe our slate clean. That's what he does. He wipes the slate clean. All the stuff in your life that you might be carrying that's tricky, difficult, or you're embarrassed about, he can wipe it clean. That's one of the things he does. He forgives our sins. All the wrong things I say, do, and think, Jesus forgives wipes the slate clean and then he renews us he gives us new life in him joe said it again in his testimony. he kind of had, he woke up that day after he prayed that prayer in front of said he kind of woke up a new man and he didn't really know what had happened tell you what happened god had arrived in his life and that's what it was that's what jesus does he renews us life transformation is on offer when we meet jesus why because he's kind and caring he's got a message to bring and he can make us clean and he's a good guy he's not someone to think oh no jesus don't want to know about him He's someone who's there for you today that can radically change your life. An amazing, wonderful saviour. That's why we sang, saviour, he can move the mountains. How does it work? Is it all just rhetoric and persuasion? I'm trying to get you to come to Jesus because it sounds good and he's a good bloke. i tell you how it works. It works through the most memorable sis- symbol in all of history, the cross of Christ. That's how it works. The death and resurrection of Jesus. We're going to just land looking at the death and resurrection of Jesus. But as we do, I want to go back to our story to help us to get there. So let's go back to our story for a moment, and I'm going to pick up on the bit that I mentioned as we read it uh, earlier on, that when the leper came to Jesus and was healed, Jesus said to him a strange thing. He said, show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. That's what he said to this leper, well, what does that mean? What, what, what's going on there? I'll tell you what's going on there. Jesus knew that the law of the land of the day was that if a leper was supposedly healed, he needed to go and present himself to the priest in order that the priest could confirm that that was a genuine recovery from from being from having leprosy. Now, bear in mind, it hardly ever happened, so it wasn't a normal thing that happened. But Jesus sent him there so that this guy could have proper uh, ratification of his healing, so that he could be reintegrated back into society, so that he wouldn't have to be isolated from the community anymore he could be brought back in and accepted and not feared that that's what Jesus was telling him to do he was putting something in place that had integrity in it Jesus said yes I've healed you but now the process is one of integrity is go make sure that the priest thinks that's right so that you can be reintegrated back into society how does that fit with the cross of Christ I'll tell you what the cross of Christ is something that's happened the death of Jesus is not up for debate he definitely did die on the cross All historians will agree that. So if you're thinking about Jesus and the cross of Christ, you have to think he was crucified. That's end of conversation. It definitely did happen. What is more controversial is did he rise again from the dead? Did he rise again from the dead? People have all sorts of questions about whether he rose again from the dead. But Jesus is a a, a God of kindness and caring compassion. He wants people to know that the resurrection of himself from the cross did happen, which is why he had eyewitness accounts of the fact that he talked to people as, after he was risen from the dead. He ate with people after he was risen from the dead. He walked with people after he was risen from the dead. He taught people after he was risen from the dead. In the Bible, you've got an in- integrity there which shows that whilst Jesus did die on the cross, he did also rise again from the dead. And that's really important because it means that when Jesus did die on the cross and he died for all the wrong things that we ever say, do or think, death didn't keep him down. He wasn't condemned to death and rightfully taken down. He actually was free to rise again from the dead and show that he was the Son of God who had broken through so that we could have an eternal relationship with him. That's what the cross of Christ absolutely means. So that's how it works. If you accept Jesus as one who died on the cross for your sins, the wrong things you say, the wrong things you do, the wrong things you think, he rose again from the dead. You know, as I know, that there's a living Jesus today that I've got a relationship with a relationship with Jesus who's kind, who is caring, who's compassionate, who's passionate, who heals, who's there with us every step of the way. That's the sort of Jesus that I know, and that's the sort of Jesus that many people in this room know, and that's the sort of Jesus that Joe and Poppy and Emma and Tom know as well. To close then this, what happened to the leper? Jesus told him, "Go and make yourself, go, go and show yourself to the priest, because you need to know that it's all sorted, but the leper, he didn't do that. He didn't do it in the story. He's just been healed, after all. He's just been healed from leprosy. I mean, who's going to go off and say, oh, I've been healed from leprosy, can you tell me that I have? He knows that he has been. It's all God. It's all taken from his body. So instead, as it says in verse 45, he went out and began to talk freely, spreading the news. And as a result, Jesus could no longer enter a town openly, but stayed outside in lonely places, yet people still came to him from everywhere. The point of that is this, that when you have an encounter with Jesus... When you meet Jesus, when you know Jesus, when you see him for who he is, the kind and caring one, the compassionate one, when you meet him, when you know him, that is the best news ever. That is why Joe and Poppy and Tom and Emma wanted to share something of Jesus to all of us today because he's so radically transformational. It's not made up, it's truth in their lives, and it's truth based on truth from what Jesus was like when he was here on planet Earth. And it's truth that's alive and living today because Jesus himself, is alive and living today as well. So my provocation to us, as I said, that I would do at the beginning of the meeting, is not to throw a daffodil in the air and think, how does that represent love? It's to simply say, what do you think of that? What do you think of that? And I'm going to ask us all to stand now. I'm going to close the meeting. And all I'm going to do is ask that question one final time and just see if anybody wants to make any kind of response to that question. You just want to shut your eyes a minute. I've bombarded you with the goodness of Jesus. I think I have. I hope I have. If you're someone here this morning who wouldn't describe yourself as a Christian, got some questions, think you might be on a journey not too sure, and you've listened to what I've said and you've been thinking, yeah, what do I think of that? Someone perhaps like Joe who's been far away from God and yet God has drawn him in. Someone like Emma who said like she was a lost girl and yet God has drawn her in. Tom who said he's been going through some messy stuff in his life but God has always drawn him out. Poppy who just says I know Jesus is number one in my life. A young girl. It could be your moment just say I I just want to know a little bit more. That's all I'm saying. What do I think about it? I'd just like to know a little bit more. And with all eyes shut, if that's you I'd just like you to stick your hand in the air. I'm not saying this is you becoming a Christian or you commit yourself to Jesus or anything like that. I'm just saying, I'd like to know a little bit more and would you pray for me right now, Gus, for me to know a little bit more. So that's if, if that's you, just stick your hand in the air right now and I will pray. I'm just going to pause for a minute. I'm not putting the pressures on. There's no hand at the moment. That's okay. Anybody say, yeah, that's me, I, I need to know more. I just as a hand's gone up, thank you, sir. You can take your hand down. So Father, I'm just going to pray. just want to thank you, Jesus, that you're such a good guy, such a good God. You are kind. You are caring. You are compassionate. You pray for us, that you love us. Thank you that the cross is demonstration of that. I pray for all of us, Lord God, particularly for the gentleman who raised his hand, Lord God, that... He, that there'll be a journey for us all to discover more of you. And as we do, Lord, who our eyes will be open to how good you are and our lives will be radically transformed in your goodness. We pray that, Lord God, for our, for our well-being and for your glory. In Jesus' name. Amen.